I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Hi, Aaron. Hey, Meredith. I'm back. I'm back, guys. Aaron's back. (laughs) If you listened to our last season, you'll remember Aaron, a single woman we followed through the trenches of dating. Well, Aaron is single again, so I checked in with her recently about how it's going. We talked about what she's noticing on those dreaded dating apps. When you were on the apps, I have to ask you, did you see pictures of men axe-throwing? So I know the the axe-throwing is like, is a thing right now. I feel like I might have seen some axe I feel like it's the new here's a fish picture. I didn't see a lot of it. I I still saw a lot of fish. Let me explain. Basically, Aaron and I have noticed some trends on dating apps. Some men like to post pictures of themselves with a fish they just caught. Apparently, they think that's a very attractive look. But because Boston just got an axe-throwing bar... I've noticed a lot of guys posting pictures of themselves as if that's the thing we want to see, a weapon. One thing I've learned about Erin is that she's very good at knowing when to cut something off. She knows when potential has run out, when to end it. She can see the signs. I just sort of, all of a sudden, a wall goes up and I'm like, this isn't what I want. The wall feeling is like, I realize that I don't want to It's basically, I don't want to have sex with them. Yeah. So immediately, once I realize that happens, I sort of panic and feel bad because I'm like, this is a great person. So then I think I sort of try to give people a little more of a chance or go on a few more dates. But once that wall goes up with me being like, I don't want to sleep with this person, it's hard to get past that. Aaron's clarity about all of this got me thinking. How do you know when a relationship is really over? And how do you know when that wall has been hit? From the Boston Globe and PRX, this is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. People are really good at describing when they have a feeling that someone's right for them. They use a lot of light metaphors, like lightning or lights going on. Suddenly, they just know, and everything is illuminated. It can be harder to describe the feeling of knowing something is over. I wanted to know more about this, so I did a call-out this season. Many responses from listeners came from people telling me their stories of hitting that wall Aaron was talking about. I was really drawn to two of them. So I reached out. Sometimes we keep feeling like a relationship could be over, but we don't know for sure. The people in these stories had to take a bit of a journey to figure that out. Let's get into it. Uh, Why don't you call me Jordan? I am in northern Utah, and I work in finance. Let's rewind a bit. It's 2007. Jordan is single. His previous marriage has ended. He goes to his company's Christmas party... And it's casino night. 
He meets a woman at the party. She's the daughter of one of his colleagues. The woman is single, too. They develop a friendship that soon graduates to something else. A few months later, started dating, and we moved in together a few months after that, and then we got married the following year. Jordan is 29 at this point. There's never some big light bulb moment where he knows he's found the one, he says. But they care about each other. It feels right. We had a great time together. We laughed and joked and played video games, and we shared the same sick, twisted sense of humor and love for movies and comedy and things like that. There was just a lot of shared interests that, uh, yeah, that we, that we discovered, and um, it was kind of a natural fit. I mean, she was nice to me. She helped me kind of blossom, for lack of a better term. In contrast to his first marriage, Jordan says, this one feels calmer, more tranquil. There wasn't a lot of, mm, like, uh, super emotional highs or super emotional lows. It was kind of just more even keel. Fast forward about eight years into the marriage, and Jordan's wife, who was 21 when they married, approaches him with a big request. She wants to pursue an open marriage. What was your response to her when she said that? Um, I To say that I didn't take it well would be an understatement. Um, I actually spiraled into a pretty severe depression. I was suicidal. I took about three months off work to get myself back to a functional place. This request from his wife makes him feel jealous and insecure, Jordan says. He knows that he does not want an open marriage. It's just not for him. After this, Jordan and his wife decide to go to marriage counseling. We had decided that, you know, we're going to make each other a priority. We're going to work on our relationship. And, you know, in my mind, it was, fingers crossed, this never comes up again. But in her mind, come to find out, she was just kind of repressing that desire to stray from the marriage. A year or so later, they're about to mark their 10th anniversary. Jordan's wife brings up non-monogamy again. Was she asking you whether you'd be open once again to the idea of it, or was she saying, this is going to be a deal-breaker for me if I can't pursue it? It was, she feels like this is a huge part of who she is, and she wants to explore that. It's summertime. One night, they take their dogs out for a walk. She was like, uh, don't you ever look at someone and wonder, I wonder how they fuck. And then I just, I stopped, and she stopped, and I looked at her, and I said, no, <laughs> I don't think that. I didn't necessarily think that my belief system was flawed or hers was flawed. It, it just was starting to become clear to me that they just weren't the same. Eventually, Jordan asks her, point blank, do you just not want to be married anymore? His wife takes some time to think about this. 
And then she tells him that he might be right. Jordan can feel his marriage falling apart. They're still living together, meanwhile. They're parenting their children and trying to maintain this household while they figure out what to do. And yet, even though Jordan knows this, he's not willing to accept that it's really over. I said, okay, can we go to another therapist? We'll sit down, we'll talk, and if nothing else, they will help us formulate a good exit strategy. My hope was that during that session, she would come to the realization that she didn't want a divorce. After a few difficult months, Jordan says, his wife moves out. She gets a place nearby. When she moved, you know, I should have realized that we were done. I still held on to hope. Then one day, a few months later, his wife comes over to pick up the kids. She asks Jordan if they can talk for a minute alone. They go to his bedroom. She shuts the door and locks it. I was kind of confused and I was hoping that she wasn't going to try to come on to me because I didn't want to be put in that kind of weird position of part of me would love to hook up, but the other part of me knows that it's not right. At this point, Jordan says, his wife gives him a sign. It is one he cannot ignore. She uh, got her nipples pierced, for some reason decided to tell me about it, and then for some other reason decided to show me. You know, a whole myriad of thoughts went into my head. Who is this for? Because it's clearly not for me. That made me realize that I didn't know this person anymore. The person that was with me, in front of me, showing me her newly pierced nipples was not the person that I had been married to for the last 10 years. Can you explain why this choice that she made is sort of what drove home to you that this was truly an ending? I think what it was is kind of, um, you know, the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. There's straws here when she moved out and straws there when she asked for an open marriage. But, you know, I don't know what it was about that specific moment. It was just kind of a combination of everything. I think that there are definitely people who can seize a moment. They can recognize, okay, this is happening. It's time to move forward with uh, asking this person out, asking her to marry me, or, or on the converse, saying that it's time to be done completely. There are some people um, who I envy that could do that, but I'm not that type of a person. Uh, yeah, I just wish I, you know, I wish I wouldn't have fought so hard, but at the same time, I don't know if that's possible. In Jordan's case, it was about finally hearing what his wife was trying to tell him. But let's look at this from another vantage point, that of the person doing the telling. What happens when you're the one who wants to end the relationship? How do you know when to act on it? We'll be back with another story after this short break. We're back. Our second story today is about a woman I'll call Allison. The man I'll call Joe. Allison met Joe in 2009 during her junior year of college in the Midwest. 
Joe, attended another school in a nearby town. Allison hears that Joe thinks she's cute and wants to get to know her a little more. They meet again at a party. Towards the end of your junior year of college, you know, a lot of my friends were starting to partner up, have boyfriends. Many of them went on to marry those guys, but they wanted me to have a boyfriend like they did. After this second meeting, they start to message each other on Facebook. They talk back and forth throughout the summer. Gradually, Allison says, a bond develops between them. Not sparks exactly, but a connection. They decide to see each other again when classes start up the following fall. They have dinner together and decide to watch a movie. Do you remember what movie? Um, no. Or were you not watching the movie? (laughs) I mean, we were probably, we were definitely not watching the movie. (laughs) They start dating. The relationship feels as serious as it can at that age. But as graduation approaches, Allison feels pressure to make things more official. Did it feel like everybody was on a specific track? Uh, Everyone was on the want to get married by 25, timeline kids by 30 track. But toward the end of college, her feelings about the relationship start to change. Uh, This is when we started to have some more disagreements and fights. One of the things that bugs Allison is the way Joe's parents observe gender roles in their marriage. Joe's mom cooks, cleans the house. Joe's dad does not. She's worried that this pattern will manifest in her own relationship, too. Joe promises her it won't. Still, despite these reservations, Allison's now in her 20s. Her friends are getting married, and the pressure to do so becomes harder to ignore. Marriage is on Allison's brain, too. I started the secret Pinterest board and started thinking about that. Okay. And what kind of stuff was on it? Rings, dresses, uh, reception hall decorations, um, like gift ideas. Yeah, DIY favors. Yes. Yeah. All of those things like dessert tables. I have a close friend who has a secret wedding board, but I think (laughs) she calls it something like secret shame. After one of Allison's close friends gets engaged, she and Joe have the big discussion. At first, Joe says he doesn't see himself getting married anytime soon. But then they attend a wedding together, and something changes in Joe, she says. Soon after, they start shopping for rings. And I was happy. I mean, I was happy. I didn't question it. I was, that was what I wanted. You were so. like, rings, you say? I have a Pinterest board for that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> During one of Joe's subsequent visits, he proposes. They take a trip to a beach on a lake close to where her family lives. It happens uh, in the fall. He comes out and visits. So when we were walking along the beach and not talking about anything of consequence, and he just stops and he gets down on one knee. And all I remember is that there was a ring and he was asking. And I said, yes, right away. Allison and Joe start wedding planning. Pretty much right away. And I got to make my Pinterest board public. But Allison discovers that she's not enjoying the wedding planning as much as she thought she would. It's not fun. I ended up just picking out a dress that I put on. It felt like it was good enough and ended up getting that one because at that point it just felt like I'd been looking for too long. But 
I think what was so hard about it is as I was trying on dresses, it was just really, really hard to envision the wedding day. It's around this time that Allison and Joe move in together. The discomfort she feels about the wedding starts to carry over into the relationship. She feels less and less excited to see Joe after work. And it turns out she does feel like she's shouldering more of the housework, just like she feared. It's a small worry, but she notices. And a few months later, she starts growing close with one of her coworkers. It was nice to have, like, a work husband. Over time, that work relationship changes. She and this work husband spend more time together. Then there's this dinner with colleagues that they attend together. I'd had a bad week at work and was telling him about that. He was, you know, very comforting and just you know, trying to give me reassurance and encouragement. As we pulled up to the parking garage for him to drop me off, he just pats my shoulder and tells me it's going to be okay. I had one of those like, lightning bolt moments that, like, kind of my stomach flipped a little bit, and it didn't just feel like an innocent pat on the shoulder to me. I mean, I imagine that's like, it's not just a lightning bolt about him, it's a lightning bolt about everything at that point. Yeah, so I had a, a moment after that, so I'm walking into the parking garage, I'm walking to get my car, and I kind of just stopped out of my tracks and have this thought of, I'm not sure that I want to get married. Yeah, that was the first time I'd ever thought that. I mean, I stopped out of my tracks, put my bags down, and cried. It was kind of like the tipping point for me to start to acknowledge and realize my feelings. She doesn't share this with anyone right away. At this point, their wedding is fully planned. The venue and photographer and DJ are all booked and paid for. Save the dates have been sent out, she says. It's happening. But not for Allison. She decides to tell Joe that she's having serious reservations. And what what does he say? Um, I mean, he's devastated. I blindsided him. After learning that Allison is unhappy, Joe tries to make things better, she says. He's more supportive and does more around the house. They visit his parents one weekend, close to Christmas, and something hits her. We are in his car, and we were backing out of the driveway of his parents' house at the end of the weekend, and I had this thought of, I'm never going to see these people again. Tell me about that. Where did that come from? I... I think I had underlying doubts. Like, I was just kind of trying to force that down, but it just kind of felt like a very clear moment for me that I was never going to be at that house again and I was never going to see his parents or his family again. Even if Allison could have ignored that one big gut feeling, there are more. Allison and Joe attend a Christmas Eve service together. We went to church that night, and we were singing uh, Silent Night, and there was like a candlelit service. And I'm looking around, I'm looking at him, and I have this thought again of, I am not going to be with you next Christmas. Honestly, at the time, I thought it was a message from God. I, I, I think it was just my self-conscious, but that's what it felt like. I, I think there was something very unsettling about <laughs> that thought coming through in church. It was the second one I'd had in a week. And so that night we go home, we're making dinner after dinner, 
he asked me because I was obviously acting very weird. I was feeling feeling very unsettled. All I said was, I'm having doubts. We're, we're both very upset. I, I'm, I mean, I was very unhappy about the way that I was feeling and I, I wanted it to go away. But we were kind of stuck. It was Christmas Eve. He said, you know, let's just push through. We're still working on it. Like things will get better. Joe suggests they talk to friends and family for support. But Allison's worried these people would talk her out of how she's feeling. They celebrate Christmas as usual, but it's sad to be around family. And then, two days later, she tells him her doubts have not gone away. And I, I said to him, I, I don't think that we should get married. And he doesn't say anything for like five minutes. And then finally he says, I don't think we should either if you are feeling this way. And were you shocked by that response? Yes, but I, I mean, it was like a rush of relief. I, I felt like I could breathe for the first time in many months. Allison gives him the ring back that night. Days later, she tells her friends and family what had happened. It wasn't easy to tell her dad. He was fine, but he um, was more concerned about the financial aspect of it and that people had booked plane tickets and hotel rooms and all this money had been spent. But her mom took the long view. So my mom's been married before, and she married her college sweetheart and had a lot of the same doubts about him that I expressed having about my ex. And so she felt very proud that I had had the courage to do what she could not. Joe moves out a week later. She had offered to move, but he wanted to leave. About a year and a half later, Allison relocates to a new town after another relationship ends. She starts casually dating, something she had become more comfortable with. She rebuilds. About a month into relocating, Allison meets the man who would later become her husband. This time, she says, she was better about letting her gut be her guide. You bring up cold feet, right? And we're all told this is a normal thing, right? To doubt uh, and that we should work through doubts and that doubt is a necessary part of a process. How do you know when those doubts really mean that you should be making a different choice? I think when it infiltrates more aspects of your life other than just having those fleeting thoughts of, oh, I'm nervous about getting married. I mean, this took over my life for over six months feeling horrible uncertainty and nauseous and physically sick and just having all of these really terrible thoughts about what I was doing. What happens with the dress? Ugh. <laughs> um, the dress, uh, so my parents bought the dress and so I offered to take care of it, but my mom actually did for me. So I'm actually not sure what happened to the dress, but I know it's gone. Like she made it disappear? Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's a good mom. <laughs> yeah.
When you've invested a ton of time in someone, the idea of letting go of them can be really hard. We're told that even the best relationships aren't easy, that they take a ton of compromise and work, and sometimes feel hopeless. We're supposed to stick it out. But of course, there are times when it's appropriate, even healthy, to leave. I guess I'd hoped that getting stories from people about when they knew it was time to go would help others reach that same decision, maybe quicker and with some more confidence. But after talking to Jordan and Allison, I'm reminded that there are no shortcuts. There's no way to see these signs until you're ready. When people read the letters in my column, they sometimes ask me, how does this person not know the relationship is done? Can't they see it's over? All of the signs. That's easy to say from the outside. When you're in it, the only true sign you have is your own intuition. Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. Our senior producer is Amy Padula. Our executive producer is Scott Hellman. Ned Porter does our audio mixing, sound design, and mastering. Devin Smith is our audience engagement manager. Special thanks to Brian McGrory and Linda Henry. Our music is from APM. Are you trying to figure out how to know something in your relationship? Do you have another love problem? I want to hear it from you. Email the team at lovelettersatboston.com or find us on Twitter at lovelettersblog. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Learn more at loveletters.show. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening. Oh, and by the way, I think Aaron and I have come up with a great idea for season four. Season season four can be just you fly, learning to fly fish. Oh, my God. You would get the most listeners. Yeah, except I'd have to go fly fishing with you when I want to. I don't think that's a bad idea. <laughs> There'll probably be dudes in our class. Yeah. Uh, Wear those, like, big boots that go up to your oh, knees. Those are hot. Wading boots. Oh, fishing gear is hot. 2020 <laughs> fishing gear, hot. <laughs> <laughs>